Welcome to Remember Your Why. I'm your host, Kristen. Many of us suffer from addiction and mental health, and we're here to talk about stories of success and recovery. Whether you're just starting out or have been on the healing journey for some time, it's important to always remember the why that brought you here to this very moment. What makes your heart tick? What sets your soul on fire? What or who inspires you? Whenever you are feeling on the brink of fight or flight, remember you have survived everything that's been thrown your way. Hold tight to that, because what is on the other side of the ugly are some pretty beautiful things that teach us some profound lessons. My hope for this podcast is that it will bring healing and peace to both my guests and the listeners, in some way, in some form. There truly is light on the other side of fear and darkness. Let's find it together. Welcome to Remember Your Why. I'm your host, Kristen. So I wanted to do a few episodes, not just talking to those suffering from mental health and substance abuse, but talking to loved ones that have family members that are dealing with these issues. Today, I have a very special guest in the studio with me. I would like to welcome my Aunt Jerry to the show. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming on and doing of this. Course. So let's dive right in. Your son, who's my cousin Greg, he struggled with addiction since he was how 15. old? Fifteen. Fifteen. And how old is he now? Twenty-nine. So almost thirty. So basically half his life. Okay. And does he also struggle with mental health? Yes. He has PTSD, depression. And what is the PTSD from? He had um, been incarcerated. And when he was incarcerated, he was doing drugs in jail. And I was actually paying people for his drugs. Little did I know what he was doing. Out right. That he was doing drugs. And the people I was paying were the family members of the other prisoners. And so I reported it once I found out. And he was then put in the hole, which is solitaire. Um, for five months, and that's when he the wow. PTSD. He was there for five yes, months by himself in a hole, you know, four walls. I think, I think it was two 15 minute breaks, I'm not sure, but it was very limited. So he developed the PTSD from that. Wow, that is yes. tough. How do you think the mental health affected the addiction, or vice versa? How do you think the addiction affected his I mental think health? it goes hand in hand. I actually do not know any addict that doesn't suffer from any kind of um, mental health. Was there a specific incident or a time that you sensed, you know, something's going on with my son, this is not normal behavior, and and how did that make you feel, and what did you, what actions did you take? So this, it's not humorous, because there's nothing humorous about this, but um, he was about 14 at the time, and he called me in a panic mom, I think I'm going to die. Something's wrong. Something is wrong with me. And I said, Greg, what, what happened? Did you take anything? And this was, you know, the start of it, actually the very, right. of it. and he said, I smoked some pot. So it, I, the pot actually worked the opposite because usually pot makes you relaxed. And no, this made him like he was off the wall. So I went over, I, um, to his, he was at his friend's house. I went over and I took him home and I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is great. He's never going to do drugs again. <laughs> he had such a right. put him and his sister into a drug awareness program through the police department because I said, okay, 
they're they're exposed at this they're exposed and i need them to know the repercussions what this all entails blah 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 so i'm like okay i'm doing all the right things right no then and, he just progressed and he progressed quickly oh, yes very quickly to um heroin heroin and that's that's a big problem oh, in this country well, right no, now no actually um heroin you can barely get heroin right now i was talking to my son it's fentanyl heroin is you just can't get it. And when you get it, it's very expensive and fentanyl is cheap. And fentanyl can kill yeah. you instantly. Yep. yep. Has he tried fentanyl? Oh, yeah. He's he's already hooked on it. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I was going to ask, do you recall a moment when you thought your son was going to die? I'm sure you had many of those moments, but do any stand out in your mind? So when he came to me, I didn't know he was using heroin yet. And he came to me and he told me, he was 15. He said, mom, and he was crying. He said, I'm using heroin and I need help. And I immediately put him in Hazleton, which is world renowned uh, rehab. Put him in there. And I am totally naive to drug addiction at this point. I'm thinking, okay, he's gone there. But they said, okay, 30 days, he's good to go. And I'm thinking, no, that's that's not enough. That He needs to stay longer. Right. Oh, but no, insurance won't pay. So, charged mm. him. He comes home. He looks fabulous. And he goes, he has, he's starting school the next day. Junior, junior in high school. Starting school. And that morning, my daughter comes into me and she said, Mom, she said, Greg left his socks on the floor in the bathroom. So I went to bring them into him and he has something coming out of his nose. And I said, does he have a ring? Out of-? I'm thinking he pierced his nose or something. A nose yeah. ring, right. She said, no, I don't know what it is. So I go into his room and he was he had foamed at the mouth and nose. Mm. He had basically stopped breathing. And so I turned to Katie, my daughter, and said, call 911. And I proceeded to do CPR on him. I'm a nurse and did CPR on him. I got him back breathing, but he was still kind of, you know, not coming to, but he was breathing. Never lost his heart rate, but he he was basically, um, it was a respiratory arrest. So the paramedics came and he went to the hospital and they intubated him, which means they put him on a respirator. He was fine. About two hours later, they took the tube out, but he wasn't, he did not come to. So we're thinking, okay, either he hypoxic, not enough oxygen to his brain. I didn't get brain, enough, yeah. or drug damage. So they weren't sure. So then we sent mm-hmm. him to UCLA. We lived in Arizona at the time. We sent him to UCLA and in UCLA, he actually then came to and he was basically almost like a five-year-old. Like he was, was like, what just happened? What just happened? He, he reverted back. It was almost. horrible. And he didn't remember anything. Cause I thought, okay, this, he will remember this. No, he didn't remember anything. He stayed there almost three weeks. And each time he called me, I could tell he's not okay. He's not okay. I went to visit him and he was just not my son just not my son. About a week later, so this is now almost a month later, he called me and Kristen, I could tell, oh my God, this is Greg. He's back. Oh my God, he's back. I talked to the doctor. 
She said, no, they did an EEG on him, which is a brain scan. No Mm -hmm. damage to his brain. She said, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Couldn't Could explain, not explain it. it. Just came, came totally normal. So from there, he went to a, um, it was a rehabilitation, but they also gave him schooling. And so he went there for three months. He came back from there. In the meanwhile, grandma died. But right. didn't come to grandma's wake. He came back and then, I, I want to say in Jan- February, and then Jen my niece, your sister got married. And remember he was there and Mm -hmm. he was great. Then he was great. Yes, he was. So, so you've been dealing with many different rehabs, institutions. I I mean, maybe 20, maybe 20, maybe more, no less than 20. And they work at the time and then he gets back out. Well, because he doesn't work the program. And anybody Mm -hmm. that I know that's been successful, works the program, believes in a higher being, there's something that makes them want to be clean. And he just has not, if when he does work the program, he stays clean for a little while, but then something triggers him. And I keep trying, what is it? You have to recognize that trigger. What is that trigger? That's very hard for us to to identify sometimes the triggers um, because it can, you know, I speak from my own experience. It can just be something small Mm -hmm. can happen and that's it. You're in your mind, you're off to the races. It it is hard to explain Mm -hmm. the triggers sometimes. So you have to really dive. Right. But don't you think those, those are the things you need to recognize so that you can then work on it so that you don't relapse. Yeah. It's easier using because you get to escape. Well, yes. Exactly. That's the word escape. Mm-hmm. But yes, escape is that a was word. the first time I did CPR on him. And then I've done it four more times after that. So five times you've performed CPR on, on your son. own son. Mm-hmm. Now, how is Greg doing currently? So it's, um, he was doing really well and he started his own business. He was doing, um, power washing. He was doing well and then he relapsed again. And mm-hmm. but he was still trying to get it under control. He was doing methadone, which methadone is another I think it's a band-aid. It's a band-aid. It's not it is. It's a synthetic opioid. Mm-hmm. But if you do it right and then eventually wean off of it, it could maybe be successful, but Greg's never got to that point. But he was doing methadone, so mm-hmm. he was trying to reel it in with the methadone and um Oh, but prior to that, he did get incarcerated. And I had said that, remember, when he got mm-hmm. the PTSD. So that was seven years ago. In seven years, he did great. You know, not totally clean. He would relapse. He would then get clean, relapse, then get clean. It was kind of constant relapse. And or- then last December, he was doing good. He was doing his power washing. And, but I had, we had actually filed for his, um, what they call, I'm not sure the correct word for it, but basically they were going to, it's not expunged because they don't expunge it, but it's basically mm-hmm. um, getting rid of his record so that he, you know, right. get a job without people looking at it, you know, do stuff like that. And it, and it takes seven years. So we had applied for that. We got a lawyer. Everything was getting done. The lawyer called him to the office. He signed papers. He thought he signed papers that it was done. No, the papers were signed so that they could, you know, do another process with it. Anyway, he went out and got a gun. Wow. And he got caught with the gun. Mm. So he took things in a 
very different yeah. direction. He, well, he believes, well, in Arizona, you can have a concealed weapon. So mm -hmm. anyway, he wanted a gun just because of people he was dealing with, people he was, you know, wanted a gun and he got caught with it. Yep. Wow. Totally depressed. Yeah. Do you think if there were more resources out there, there are a lot of resources out there, but I don't think they're made to be very prevalent per se in society. It's still a tricky thing with people talking about addiction and mental health. Do you think it would have made things easier? Um, I mean, I think I used every single resource that was available to me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the he went to intensive outpatient. He went to inpatient. He went to all the meetings. The misconception, I think that the misconception with drug addiction is they think, oh, come on, just deal with it. Addiction mm -hmm. is a physical disease, not a mental Correct. It is a physical disease. And that is a major misconception with it. They think, people think, yes. oh, you know what? Get over it. You can deal with it. It is in your brain, just like cancer. Cancer feeds on you. Addiction feeds on your brain. It works on mm -hmm. a certain area in your brain. And people don't understand that. And that is a huge misconception. They don't want to believe yeah. that. They they want to just believe that we're people who just want to get mm -hmm. high right. or we just want to right. drink. No, and it could not be further, further from, from the, the truth. truth. And Most yes, that is a problem. Addicts that I know, they don't want to be where they're at. And they're depressed because they they want to change and they can't. They do not have the yeah. resources. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Do you think there is a stigma against addiction? Oh, 100% because mm -hmm. of what we just talked about. People think, get over yeah. it. You, you, you're depressed. Uh, you don't need to have that drink, you know. But it is an actual physical um, chemical in your brain that people don't understand. People do not understand. It's like cancer. Addiction is yeah. like cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people just don't want to no. recognize mm -hmm. that. No. They turn a blind that, eye. It's just like one of our presidents wanted to do a – he was working on – so for prisoners, people that get arrested, he didn't want them to go to prison he wanted them to have rehabilitation instead of incarceration. So he's working mm -hmm. on that. And that's, I believe that's one thing that we should work on. The jails are full of drug addicts. And guess what? They're getting illegal drugs. They need to be in a separate right. facility. Right. And the thing is, people are going away for like a tiny bag of weed or something. When people are doing way worse exactly. things. Exactly. It's going to be worse. It will be worse and, when they get out. They will be worse. And that's what happened yep. to Greg. Mm-hmm. Yep. Looking back, would you have done anything differently or do you think it just kind of spiraled out for Greg? I ask myself that question every day. What could I have done? Mm -hmm. And I asked him and he said, mom, he goes, it's not your fault. He said, it was my choice. It was my choices that made me where I am now. And that makes me sad because, you know, as a mother, you think you want to fix them. You want to fix them. You're it's horrible because I'm a nurse and a mother. Both of us are enablers. <laughs> you know, we want to help. We want to cure. That's right. probably one of the worst things we can do because, you know, they they talk about tough love and that's very hard for, for us to do. So, yeah. And even all of us in the family, you know, we try to reach out mm -hmm. to him, you know, and he's just very closed off, which I understand. Mm -hmm. Um because you just are so far in the yes. dark mm -hmm. that you don't want to But yet talk. when you, he does, then you know, okay, he's in a good place. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, when he responds. Yes, exactly. Which, but 
Unfortunately, he does no, not often. hardly ever. What do you think you would say to Greg right now? If, say, he was listening, what would you say to him? I would say the two most important things, that I love you and believe in a higher being, God. Mm-hmm. Reach out to God, because I think that's the only two things that will resonate. I think a higher being, whether that be wh- wh- whatever that higher being is for anybody, it's you need to believe in a higher being. Well, listen, there's always hope for everybody out there. I will never give up on him. I will never give up on him. I know you won't. And we won't as a family. No, I know that. Family sticks together. I can't believe I went through all this without crying. (laughs) I know. Well, it's a very emotional subject. I know my bladder is behind my eyeballs, but I said, that's what um, grandma used to say. Oh, Jesus, your bladder's behind your eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. But I said, I'm going to keep it together. It's okay if you cry. I mean, this is a serious topic and- you know, people, it's just not talked about no. enough. It's getting That's worse. That's the part that really bothers me is that it's not understood. It's not understood as a physical disease. And it can be anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody can be a drug anybody. addict, alcoholic. No, until you get those pain meds for, you know, a broken arm or a broken hip or you don't know that you have that disease until it's triggered. Yes, I agree. And that's an Yet another issue. There's very, there's so many surrounding all of this, but the handing out pain pills to everybody. I mean, for anything, that's how a lot of people get started that fall into drug addiction and then they turn to heroin or meth or, or or all those hard drugs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, and that fentanyl is so nasty, so nasty. Oh yes. It's a major problem. That's where the issue is. It's so cheap that that's why people are doing it because heroin wasn't cheap. So this is cheap and it's giving them a high. And that's how we're losing so, so many, so many young people, innocent, just Mm. got hooked. And so many people, what happens, they do go in and they get clean and they don't understand. They come out and they think, I'm going to use what I was using before and they die, not Mm -hmm. use what you were using before. It's very tragic. That's the word I would use. It's very tragic um, addiction. Mm. So sad because you know what? It doesn't only affect the addict. It affects the whole family. And how, how, let me ask how your daughter, Katie, how is she, how does she handle this? Cause this has got to be very tough on her watching her he brother like this. loves Greg so much, but she reaches out to him and he doesn't, you know, depending on where he's at, he doesn't respond. And she, you know, then she said, okay, well, I'll just wait for him to, to call me or to reach out to me. And he doesn't. So, but when they reach, when they do connect, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Because the love's always there. It's he's, he's hiding and he's fighting his demons on a daily basis. And for some of us, it it takes longer. I will not lose hope that he can get sober. I know you won't. Thank you so, so much for joining me guys. This is remember your, I love you.